so to start today, um, we're going to do, a, I'm just going to introduce a, kind of a mini sermon series that we're going to be doing for uh, this week and next week. And uh, it's kind of in, in, uh, in view of our, our growth as a church and, and looking to move together. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the after church and the time we call the Pulse. Um, but it's going to be, this mini-sermon series is called The Way We Grow. And, um, and just talking about how we do that well together, um, how we can encourage one another and grow stronger together, be more united through this, um, be more like Jesus, and hopefully tune our hearts to his. Um, the idea of tuning is a really powerful one to me, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But... Um, you know, even if you don't have a musical ear, if, if we had a guitar and a piano up here and, and the guitar was out of tune, because electronic pianos don't get out of tune, um, if, the, if the guitar was out of tune, uh, you could hear it. It would sound horrible. And, um, and so the idea of staying in tune with God is really important. And, and so that's what we're going to talk about this week and next week. Um, how as a church we want to be wise and discerning, and we want to stay really close to the heart of God. Um, one way that we do that, which I'm just going to introduce at the very beginning of the time, is um, a long time ago, back, back in December, we started talking about leadership and invited you guys just to be a part of um, the process of selecting leaders, um, deacons, elders. Um, at that time, people gave nominations and um, and we met with them as elders, and, uh, and we have four people then a little over a month ago that we introduced to you guys and said, hey, consider these names. Um, it was uh, Melissa Bowers uh, as a, a deaconess working with Children's Church, John Stroop working with the men's ministry, Steel Cut Men, um, Bianca Gargiul uh, working with women's, uh, not with women's ministry, with uh, a home team, which is... Um, hospitality and really making people feel welcome. And if you know Bianca, that's just right up her alley. Um, I've actually had pastors say, we know Bianca at our church. <laughs> no kidding. <clears throat> um, and, uh, and Megan Shepherd uh, for women's ministry. <clears throat> and, uh, and so we introduced those names to you and, uh, and we said, hey, pray about this if you have any questions or, or thoughts. Um, no one talked to us about it, so I think that's a good thing, no concerns. <laughs> Um, and there's no really official, like, we're going to, no coronation ceremony. We just want to introduce them again to you and pray for them. And, and really, as uh, leadership as elders, we're learning to, to work and, and serve deacons and help the deacons serve the church. And um, as we grow, that, that you guys can feel very cared for. And you also know that there's, um, there's ways for you to be involved. So I'm just going to start by praying for those four people that I mentioned um, just and bring before you again for you to pray for him. Um, you guys as a church are amazing. I hear all the time people say, man, as an elder, I'm praying for you and, and, your, um, and Dave and Pat. And as you pray for us, um, I ask that you'll pray for them too. Um, this is God who hears will be one who strengthens and gives us wisdom. So, so pray with me. God, you... You are our leader. Um, you are our king. And as, as we are like a little village here, 
that's wanting to live well together and love one another well and love you well. Um, you know, there's people that take on extra responsibility and for them, for, uh, for Melissa, for John, for Bianca, for Megan, uh, we pray that you'll give them um, just the encouragement, um, the focus that it will take to see these um, specific parts of, of ministries of the Refuge Church grow and flourish. As they, um, as they set themselves to, um, to help these areas grow, I just pray that they'll feel so supported. Um, as even we talked today about um, the way we grow, I, I pray that <clears throat> over these next weeks, months, that every single person here will be able to see just the way you, you uniquely and beautifully made them. Um, not just to be for themselves and live for themselves, but to live for you and to, um, man, to uh, contribute to the lives of those around them, to help the people around them flourish. God, without your, your love that breaks into our hearts and um, breaks us out of the prison of selfishness, God, we tend to be people who think first of ourselves, and I pray that, that you'll just release us by your power as a, as a church to be people who give of ourselves in joy and love to one another uh, and to you. I praise in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> so <clears throat> this first Sunday is just going to be called Rules for Growth, which um, I, neither of those things sound fun. So uh, growing up usually didn't sound fun. Rules usually didn't sound fun. But we're going to bring these together in a way that hopefully shows that this means a lot of life for us. Um, when I got to college, <clears throat> Uh, I, I got to experience a lot of new things. It wasn't that I was sheltered, but I was, kind of, in a good way, growing up. And one of those things is we weren't able to uh, watch much television. Um, so some of those formative experiences that other people had, um, like watching Stand By Me or The Goonies, I just didn't have. <laughs> and uh, one of those things that... that I experienced once I got to college was my roommate got the complete, uh, all the seasons of the Wonder Years. Okay, how many people are familiar with the Wonder Years? Yeah, I wonder, right? What would you do if I sang out of tune? <laughs> would you stand up and walk out on me? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we, we had bonding time. We'd watched the Wonder Years, and, and I, you know, got introduced to Kevin Arnold and Winnie Cooper. <laughs> I won't ask how many people Winnie Cooper was their first real crush. I don't, you don't need to admit that. Um, but Winnie Cooper um, and, and Kevin Arnold uh, were quite the pair. And, and, and that, that TV show and, and other movies like, like that, like right, Stand By Me, uh, which we weren't able to watch because of the foul language, which I actually saw it this week because I knew I was getting ready for this, and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm glad I didn't get to see this. Um, like, there is, um, there is something in those movies, though, that is so, so true that when you watch them, um, you experience all over again um, just the feeling of deep friendship 
of angst, of love, love between friends, romance, right? All those things that you, you start seeing uh, these kids experience that as you watch them experience, there's something also in you that, that wants to like stop them from experiencing other things, right? You're like, like they're gonna, you know, smoke their first cigarette, and you're like, no, don't do that, or, or you know, wh- whatever it is, they're, you know, they're gonna ch- cheat on a test, or, or they set on some adventure where there's danger, and, um, and I realize for us, uh, as we look at those things, when we we want to keep them from growing up, there, there's something I think in in that that. Uh, we realize that there's danger, there's responsibility, there's a, a part of growing up where you have to let go of something else and something else that has been um, really, really beautiful and really, really good. But if you stayed there, um, you would become more and more immature rather than more and more mature. And and I don't know if you watch this, but especially in Wonder Years and Stand By Me, there's a narrator in those that's like speaking over it. And half the time I'm like on the edge of tears because <laughs> they're like helping the kids process through these, these, uh, these deep things. And I realized as a church, we really need to do the same thing as we, as we grow up together as a congregation, as a church, um, you know, as we experience our first of some things. Um, you know, our, uh, our first move from meeting in a home to meeting in a, uh, a building like this. Our, our first move from going from meeting in a little circle where you could see the whites of everyone's eyes <laughs> and everyone talked the whole time and uh, into moving uh, to meet in a, a rectangle like this where everyone is, is looking in one direction. Um, all those things, they, they mark changes in our life. They mark growth in our life. And, and we, while we gain some things, we also lose other things. And so what I want to talk today about is just how do we know we're growing well? How do we know that as we get more people, as more people come to know Jesus and more people go, man, I, I love what we're about here at the Refuge Church and I want to join that. Um, how do we know that we're being true to what God is calling his church to be? And, and so that's what we're going to do today. I'm just going to take you through four different parts of the scripture. Uh, we're going to talk about four different rules um, that we can use as guides. Because for me, honestly, it's scary. I remember there's some parts that I, I really love in, in remembering about how we used to gather at the Refuge Church. One of those things is um, we, would, we would meet in a little living room, and I don't know who started doing it, but music has always been a big part of our life as a church. And it wasn't always because we had like good music, but um, you know, whether it was like books we'd choose songs from, but also music in the way of uh, we just listen to like Christian artists, right? And then somebody would like be really impacted by a song that week, and they would like bring the song and play it for everybody. It was like this really cool thing. Be like, hey, I really love this song, and you like put it in the CD player and play it, and everyone would just be like, yeah. And the, and <laughs> does anyone remember that? Like, yeah, we got, I was thinking that Melissa would remember that and Chris. Um, <coughs> um, <laughs> there was that, like, Christian ska era. <coughs> We'd play, like, uh, you know, supertones or something. And, and everyone would be like, 
And I'm sure there was those songs as a kid that I brought. I was like an 11 year old, like, hey, I just want to share this with the church. And everyone was like, <laughs> um, but there's that real sense of like, like you just shared in what other people were, how they experienced God that week. And, and those experiences become harder to get in this setting. I, I hope we still get some of those in community groups. But how as we grow, do we, do we continue to be faithful to sharing um, the experiences of Jesus that we're having and, and the interaction we're having with the scripture in such a way that we're, be, we're really coming to know God better, not just know about him, but literally coming to experience him and not just ourselves, but experience him through the witness of the people around us who love him and want to know him and are reading his word and, and trying to understand it. And you're learning to talk about that. But that doesn't all happen here. And so what we're going to go through is... Um, and just some things that I hope will, will keep us true uh, for as long as we gather at the Refuge Church. And so the first rule, if you'll turn with me to Acts, <clears throat> um, we're actually going to start in chapter 1, verse 12. And <clears throat> the first rule is what we're going to call the rule of 3,000. The rule of 3,000, you'll see uh, why we call it that. Um, in Acts chapter 1, Starting in verse 12, it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath walk away from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to a room where they were staying. These present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, and Philip, and Thomas, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, and Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together in constant prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas. And he goes on. That's where we're going to stop for this section. And the reason why is I, I want to see you guys to see a couple things. So, so first of all, there's just a couple of them gathered, right? 120, which actually is probably about this many here. Um, before that, it was, it was a smaller group. Jesus had his 12 um, this group of 12 plus Jesus, making it 13, um, have grown to about 120 people in the whole world that believe in the name of Jesus. And, and so what they're doing is they're, they're gathering around a couple things here. Um, you can tell they're gathering around prayer. It says they pray constantly together. Right? Um, another thing it says they're, they're digging into the scripture. Peter says, he stands up and he says, Brother, today the scripture has been fulfilled. So these are guys who, and, and women, who are not just, you know, talking about the cool things that happened in Jerusalem last week, but they're talking about, they're, they're searching the scriptures and seeing what God is saying that they can start obeying. Um, I, I assume, this is an assumption being made, but since they're gathering get together constantly, they're probably eating together. Um, if you spend constant time with me, you will eat with me. Thing I do and enjoy. Um, so these are things. These are things they're practicing. These are ways they're gathering together. From this, from this group of 120 that are gathered and passionately searching the Scripture and praying together and sharing life together, all of a sudden, God comes upon them in a very, very powerful way, uh, in a mighty way, and and He fills them up with such excitement and passion about Him. He fills them with His Spirit that they go out in boldness. And, and they just start preaching on the streets. 
Um, this isn't something that, that was characteristic of them at all. That, that they're just really excited about God because his spirit is in them. And so they go out and start preaching. And what happens uh, later is, we're going to move to chapter 2, verse uh, verse 40. It says, With many other words he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number in that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. So the rule of 3000 is this, that, that you move as a people from, from this group of 120, where, where you kind of get to know one another, you rub shoulders with them, oh, hey, good to see you. Um, all of a sudden, in, in not just a matter of a day, but literally a matter of like an hour, 3,000 people are added to their, their little church. 3,000 people. What do you do that? Well, what you don't do is think that you're cool. <laughs> right? Because what happens with that is you're like, oh, we're awesome. We've got 3,000 people. But, but the truth is, to them, 3,000 people was a fairly insignificant number in terms of the whole world not knowing the message of Jesus. So like, we still got work to do, right? And I think that's so cool. So you, you've got 3,000 people, and what, they immediately just start being faithful. And what their faithfulness looks like is staying to the essentials of what they were already doing. It says what they gathered together, and it says that they devote themselves to the teaching, right? reading of Scripture, the apostles' teaching, understanding that. To fellowship, which means spending time together, enjoying one another. Uh, breaking of bread, which people have interpreted both this as taking communion or, or the Last Supper, celebrating that together, or, or just eating together. Those meals were held very closely together. Um, and then also uh, prayer. And these are things that you already see going on, Right? And so 3,000 people were added, and they weren't all of a sudden going, okay, what we need is we need a big band. We need, like, this stage. And we need, like, we need to take over the synagogue. And, and I, like, I think what they thought was, okay, um, we have met Jesus in a real way, and, and we, we want to keep meeting with Jesus in a real way and sharing him in a real way. So we're just going to... Stick to what we know is true, and that is studying the scripture, prayer, spending time together, sharing communion, sharing meals together. Um, the rule of 3,000 is simply because, um, simply because you grow doesn't mean that truth is changed. And so the rule is simply this, stay true to what is true. That seems really simple, but it's not. <laughs> Stay true to what is true. Because oftentimes what happens is, is you have the ability to get flashy or fancy, and so you do. Um, what does it mean to really stay committed just to what's true and for that to be the excitement that motivates people? As, as we've grown, um, there, there's, I've thought a lot about this because I never, I never want us to grow into a church that thinks it's like cool to just get bigger because um, it's not unless you're faithful to what's true. <laughs> um, 
What's really cool is when people are so excited to hear about Jesus, it doesn't matter how packed a room is, they're still going to come because they want to hear about Jesus. Um, they want to tell the person next to them about Jesus. Um, there, there's these beautiful times in the history of America called the Great Awakenings. And literally, people didn't care about where they gathered. They just gathered to hear about Jesus. There'd be like 14,000 people in a field. One guy with no microphone just like, you know, top of his lungs. <laughs> like preaching about Jesus. And people came from all over just to hear the message of the gospel. And, and I think that is exactly what, what excited that early church is this, this man who they had walked with, who, who died, rose from the dead, and, and there was this settling reality upon them that he was the one that they had waited for for thousands and thousands of years. And it meant freedom for people, freedom for people who were in captivity, people who were oppressed spiritually. Um, all of a sudden, they were coming to life in Jesus. So stay true to what's true. The second rule is if you'll turn with me to, uh, to Luke 22. In Luke 22, <laughs> where we're at is something that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's the story of Jesus sharing his last supper with the disciples before he is put to death. Um, <clears throat> Jesus has asked some of his disciples to go make preparations for the meal. They've gathered together, and, and immediately as they sit down at the table, Jesus um, kind of switches things up, and he starts using the elements on the table to talk about what will happen to him. So he, he, takes, um, he takes the cup, and he says, take it, divide among you. I won't drink it until um, the kingdom of God comes. He takes the bread and he says, this is my body uh, given uh, for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The cup, cup is the new covenant in my blood. And so he's explaining these beautiful, beautiful truths. He's kind of letting them in on the secret of what's about to happen. And, and you get the sense um, that um, 23 says they began to question among themselves which of them might be the one to betray him. And so you kind of get the sense they're a little distracted and Jesus maybe turns for a second and is like, I don't know, maybe he's fixing something on the table. And all of a sudden, they just start talking about whatever they want to talk about. And what they want to talk about isn't what Jesus is talking about. <laughs> if they're talking about what Jesus is talking about, they'd be like, what does he mean that his body's going to get broken? Like, what does it mean that, that this cup is the new covenant in his blood? It's, a, it's his blood. What, what does that mean? What they do is the moment they have an opportunity to get distracted, they start talking about, it says, 24, also a dispute arose among them, which of them was considered the greatest? Like, well, you, did you see me last week? Like, I mean, people were coming to Jesus, but then a couple of them wanted to come talk to me too. Like, they wanted me to pray for them. I mean, I know, I know, I mean, we're here for Jesus, but I'll tell you what, I think... <laughs> I think I'm his favorite disciple, right? That's <laughs> how, like, honestly, I'm embarrassed for them. You know that part in the movie where something's going to happen and you're super embarrassed? I'm getting embarrassed right now. For the disciples, because you're like, <laughs> pull back, pull back. <laughs> like, you've missed the point. So the second rule is the rule of comparison. What happens 
when Jesus is pouring on his heart, Jesus is in your midst, and all you can do is compare yourself to the person next to you. Right? If as a church you've set yourself to be faithful and true to who Jesus is, and then all you do is compare yourself to the church down the street. Right? If, if people are like, hey, what church do you go to? And you're like, well, I'll go to the refuge church, but this is why I don't go to that church. <laughs> like that, the rule of comparison is don't compare yourself to anyone other than Jesus. Right? If we've set ourselves to honor the one who who we are worshiping, and him who is still in our midst. I mean, great commissions. Jesus says, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. That's, that's who we should compare ourselves to. Do we look like Jesus as a church? Do we act like Jesus as a church? When people come here, do they come and do they meet with Jesus? Or do they, are they distracted because we're concerned about the way we look or, or trying to impress somebody or, or not being that other church or whatever that is? So rule number one is, the rule of 3,000, right, is, is stay true to what's true. Stay true to Jesus. Rule number two is this rule of comparison. Don't fall into the trap of comparing yourselves to other people. Just compare yourself to Jesus. What did he say? Because if, if they were honored him in this moment, what would have changed? Jesus, how, how can we be here with you? Jesus, we understand that you're going to get crushed. You're going to get betrayed. He told them all those things. Jesus, we know that the world must be hanging heavy on your shoulders. Is there any way we can just be here for you? None of that came out of their mouths. What came out of their mouths was, uh, I think I'm awesome. (laughs) That's embarrassing. I'll tell you what's embarrassing is that is what happens at churches. We compare ourselves to other people, to one another, to other churches. And we should only compare ourselves to Jesus. And that, what that comparison looks like is this, <clears throat> asking, a- asking ourselves the question, have, have, we, have we got, have we been including ourselves in the mission of Jesus or have we just been chasing personal missions? Um, so let's not do that as a church. Rule number three is this. If you turn with me to James chapter 2, In James chapter 2, James is the, uh, uh, the leader of the church of Jerusalem. And, and basically, the book of James is kind of these, these sound bites of how to live faithfully. And in chapter 2, uh, we're just going to read the first five verses. He says, My brothers as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes comes also in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he has promised to those who love him? So the third rule is the rule of favorites. There's a a story I read this last year of a a pastor who just got selected to um, 
to lead a very large congregation in, in a, it was an affluent church, but in a very poor neighborhood. And, and the week before his first Sunday preaching, he decided to, to dress up in very poor clothes. There, it was, it was a, kind of a poor neighborhood, and so there was many uh, men and women who lived on the streets around there. So he, he dressed up like that, and he went in to visit this church, and he was just shunned. And so the next week, he's standing in the pulpit. And without judgment, he just, he explains what's happening. And, and the response was tears. People were, if I only, oh, if I only knew. Um, the rule of favorites is this, is do we know what's God's favorite? Um, what, what he loves. And there's a couple really strong statements that are made in the Gospels just about what he loves. And, and one of those things is he says he loves his son. This is my son whom I love. I'm well pleased uh, with him. Listen to him. <laughs> also, just the really well-known verse that we have, God so loved the world that he sent his son, right? This, this one whom he loved, he sent to the world. And this world as a whole, right? People, just the world. Um, <clears throat> and... And the rule of favorites is this. Do we favor what God favors, or do we, do we increasingly as a church, as we grow um, and become a people that maybe there's more people like you, maybe you invite a whole group of people that are like you, <laughs> um, are, you are we going to shape the church around what we like? Are we going to shape around what God loves? Um, and there's a powerful verse that says, listen, has God not chose the poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? Um, and so what it's saying here is, <clears throat> if we just invite people over to eat, who, says this in scripture, right, who will invite us back, or will be like us, or who we'll, we immediately connect with, it says, you're missing out. Your faith doesn't grow. Your faith, your faith is impoverished. <laughs> because, because you aren't sharing the heart of God. The heart of God is what? The, God, the heart of God is constantly reaching beyond, reaching, reaching further and further out to bring in those who feel like they're so far away they can never have a place here. Is that the rule of favoritism? What, what is our favorite? Our favorite at this church should be when people who feel like they have no connection with God feel like they are so far away that God would never even consider them, know that they are loved and accepted by God, and he is just welcoming them back home. That should be our favorite. <laughs> That's what this church should be. But, but how quick in our hearts does that change to like, well, I just want to make this a place I feel comfortable. I'm going to spend every Sunday here, so I might as well feel comfortable at least. Right? Well, what about making this a place where everyone feels at home? And that's exactly what's saying in James here. Let that be our rule. <laughs> is that we stay true to what is true. Right, as we looked at in James, that we don't, we don't get distracted, but we, we honor God in such a way that we keep our eyes so fixed on Jesus and compare ourselves only to Jesus, that we, we, love, we love what he loves. And we, we are changed that way. And if we stay at this size or we grow, I don't, doesn't matter to me, as, as long as what does matter to us is that we are like him. And when people come and spend time with us, they hopefully are transformed in his image also. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> so tune your heart with the heart of Jesus. The last is this, the rule of responsibility. If you turn with me to Matthew 14. 
Matthew 14 <coughs> connects well with the one we just talked about because it shares, starting in verse 13, it says, it says when Jesus heard what had happened, this is that, that uh, John, who he loved, had been beheaded, said he withdrew by boat to a private and solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowd away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said to them. And he sat, they sat down on, on the grass and they were fed by him. The rule of responsibility is this. When Jesus called his disciples, what he said is he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say like, hey, come follow me and, and just stay behind me and like, I'll do all the work. But he said like, come follow me and what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what I do. I'm going to show you what I do in such a way that you will be able to go and likewise do what I am doing. And the disciples didn't get that. If you see them here, they're like, uh, <laughs> can you send them away? We're getting tired. And he's like, no, what are you talking about? Like, you feed them. And they say, what are you doing? <laughs> there wasn't even that moment. I mean, they didn't even go, Jesus, show us how to feed them. It's <laughs> like, okay, we've tactically thought about this, and this is impossible. <laughs> We're thinking rationally about this, Jesus. You're crazy. But this is, this is what we learn about this. is The real responsibility is ultimately this, finding your, your place in the plan of God. And this is exciting when we start doing this as a church. Finding that Each of us find our place in his plan for what he is doing here. Because each of you have a place in his plan for what's going on here. If, if this is where he's calling you, you have a place in his plan for the Refuge Church. And so what, what is your place in that plan? In Ephesians 2, 10, and this is a familiar verse to a lot of you guys, it says that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus through good works, which he planned for us to do. Right? This is, and this is incredible. You are God's workmanship. Like this beautiful, another translation, I think it's the New Living, says you are God's masterpiece. <laughs> He's painting. <laughs> like that, that he has plans for you. Are you listening to what he has for you? Or are you sitting on the sidelines of that? In John 14, 12, it says, Jesus says, and this is, this is really powerful. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. <laughs> is that something we believe as a church? And he goes, yeah, it's in the Bible. We believe the Bible. <laughs> but is that something you believe on, like, on, a, on a daily basis? Like, Jesus says, you have faith in me, and then, then go do what I'm doing. But you're going to do even greater things. And, and what, is he, what does he mean by that? I think what he means by that is the greater things that you have the ability to do isn't like, well, Jesus rose two people from, I'm going to raise five people from the dead. Like, like, what he's talking about is that you get to live in his resurrection power and invite people into salvation and being part of his kingdom in a way that what, 
what didn't happen before his resurrection. <laughs> like we have this incredible gift to walk in the resurrection power of Jesus. He's like, so you're going to be doing greater things. You're going to be doing what the church in Acts did, which was living faithfully in such a way where people are being freed from their, their spiritual bondage and coming to know him as son of God, king of kings and lord of lords. <clears throat> and you've been specially gifted for this. Um, how do we do this as a church? The only way to do this as a church, all these things, is to be people who um, realize, and I, I ended with the last one on purpose, um, we only do this as a church if we realize that, that all of us have a very, very special part in this. When we, that rule of three, 300, where we stay true to what's true, that that's not, that's not just me I, who get to preach and my dad who gets to preach often for you guys. We, we have different giftings and that's, that's one of my gifts is the ability to be able to, to speak and encourage you guys in that way. Um, to help stay true to what's true by sharing with you the scriptures on a weekly basis. But how do you stay true to what's true? And how do you encourage the person next to you to stay true to what's true? Because too often, the way we do church is, is that we go, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to bring people and then let Daniel or Dave or whoever preached to them. Um, that's not the way it works. <laughs> um, because often what you do is you, you deny this incredible, unique, beautiful way that God's made you. Um, I've thought, I've like racked my head to go, man, I, like, I, I, wish, I wish there could be more interaction even on Sunday morning. Um, you know, I want to I see you guys come alive in a really special way. And I realized looking at the, the Bible, like this isn't abnormal. This isn't unscriptural the way we do it. People have always been going to gather and listen to someone teach the word of God. Um, you know, there's this beautiful part even in the book of Ezra where they come back. Uh, Israel comes back from where they've been in exile and they, they come back and they're rebuilding the, the, the city. And it says, Ezra, the scribe, comes and he just reads the word of God to them. <laughs> and people start weeping, just hearing the Bible read. Right, so this is, this is normal to do as a church, to do something like this. But then what does it look like for us to really come alive um, and be able to share in, in the ways that God is um, moving in our lives and using us to call others to him and using us to encourage one another? And that's, that's something that we're going to be talking a little bit about today in the Pulse. But, but as we grow as a church, it's something I also want you guys to really be a part of. Um, it's going to take you guys, some of you guys being like, hey, I'm... I don't know if you can use this, but I'm really passionate about this. And, and figuring out ways just to share um, in the way God has gifted us individually. So that really starts uh, rubbing off on the church as a whole. <clears throat> what I pray for us at the Refuge Church as we grow, the way we grow, is to be people that fix our eyes so strongly on Jesus every week, every day, um, that when we come together, we're ready to share in that. Um, we're people who are being transformed inwardly. And so when we grow as a church, we're, we're able to have m more ability 
to, to show people the goodness of God. Um, that's the heart of the, the Refuge Church. It's the heart of why we gather. And I just encourage you guys to be a part of that. Um, for you who can stay, I, I really ask you guys to be here later um, when we do the Pulse together. Um, what that is, is it's a time for us to tell you a little about what's going on, but also to hear from you. Some of the questions we're going to ask is, uh, what have we been doing that you want to see just never stop? <laughs> um, what are some things that we could start doing that you think could really strengthen us as a church? Um, and because and those two things are important, and it, it kind of like turns the mic over to you, like, like you get a share and then we're also going to talk about what it looks like for us to, to maybe move locations. Um, but as we pray for you guys, please pray. Pray for all of us as we, as we grow together. Be transformed. Be like Jesus. And as we grow, even though we have to, to move past some of those beautiful, fond memories that we've had, and we hold on to those, we're going to become something that's more and more like him if we're true to what's true. So pray with me, and let's worship together.